Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we have Rob Rubens from R6 Distillery right here in Los Angeles, right down the road in El Segundo, tasting us on this wonderful line of craft spirits. That's right, pleasure to be here. Uh, we sampled through four different expressions, actually five, because we had three different whiskeys, uh, aged rum, as well as a vodka, 20 times distilled. Who's counting? Yeah, who's counting? We're counting the expressions, so we know if we can drive home or not, but. I'm not trying to go anywhere. <laughs> Fair enough, I like your, I like your mentality here. So we, we tasted through a traditional bourbon. We tasted through a blue corn bourbon. LA's first bourbon. LA's first bourbon. I always forget that part to mention it, but yeah, I, I remember that we are. So yeah, we're Los Angeles first bourbon distilled legally here since Prohibition, at least. I can't find anything else on the books. So it's El Primero made in El Segundo. Ah, oh. You are full of them. Yes. yes. See, I told you we exist in the past oh, and the future at the same that. time. Cheers. Oh, look at that. Spirit Guide Society podcast. Tell your friends who want to learn more about the booze they love. Yes, and come check us out at R6 Distillery. We'd love to have you in to sample the whiskey, check out the speakeasy, or, or even a burlesque or cabaret. I show. love a little burlesque in my life. Or a comedy night. Who doesn't like burlesque? That's right. Sometimes burlesque can be comedic. It could, yes. Hopefully not for their sake. But... No, it's California. We can get weird. It's cool. Yeah, everything's Stay weird, weird, Callie. <laughs> That's right. Let's do this. Cheers. Welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. Thanks for coming out tonight. It is the five-year, I just put up 10. It's the five-year anniversary of Bar Jackalope, this little enclave of whiskey education that you guys are all supporters of, and we are very grateful for uh, to be able to have this. A lot of bars don't survive five years. A lot of bars don't survive one year. So uh, we, we want to express our, our gratitude to all of you for help making this all happen. But uh, tonight in the Whiskey Society, we've, we've got, it's, it's, it's Rob Rubens. He's from right down the street, actually. But that was the funniest right. thing, because you were texting Stephanie, and you're like, I'm running late, I'm running late. Yeah. I'm like, it's the El Segundo one. I know, but El yeah, Segundo's so just down the street. It like, yeah. It's not like, yeah. these guys well, are coming from like Taiwan, and they, yeah. they showed up on time, and then Rob's like, <laughs> It's LA traffic, right? It's like harder to get here and because he's just coming from El Segundo. And I almost got in a car accident about a mile no, from here. Yeah. No, but but we dodged it, and then he honked the horn and cussed at him and said, "Jesus will save us," and we kept driving. Okay, and well, kind of worked. Jesus might save you or something. <laughs> well, it street. seems like he already did. Apparently, you I'm guys here. didn't get in an accident. Yeah. And you guys have whiskey now, so that's this right. Is, oh, we you got will a little brown derby punch. But let's give it up for Mr. Rob Rubens from the R6 Distillery right here in Los Angeles. So you're, you're not drunk, does that mean, how can we trust you as a master distiller? <laughs> you're well, not you, totally drunk. You caught me on a Monday and I gotta be up at 4.30 tomorrow, so. <laughs> you're making but, another batch tomorrow? No, tomorrow I gotta get up and walk the dog and run the stairs and go make a batch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, Normally during the week, it com it's consisting of drinking, but um, not not yet, because she told me to wait, and she gave me water, and then you offered me water and not yeah. whiskey, so I felt like you were implying something by doing that. I'm on a big wellness kick. That's cool. <laughs> me too, for, for, for now. <laughs> well, okay, so tell us about the history of R6. 
What does R6 mean? Is that like, uh, you you sunk my battleship? Is that, yeah. Is, yeah. I've never heard that one before. That's You've good never though. Heard that no. one? I mean, I've heard that expression, but not as it relates to the distillery. That's R6, so. right? It's like. Oh, yeah, the coordinate. Got it's it. It's like, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very simple coordinates. It went over my head. It's for kids yeah. to understand. Yeah. It's not an adult joke. I, I, I don't I do adult jokes. Yeah. That's all I do. So. <laughs> R6, we're a family-owned distillery. We're based in El Segundo, California, as they mentioned earlier. If you're not from here familiar with El Segundo, it is kind of right down the road. It's a 20-minute drive on a clear street. And we're a... Imperial Highway, right? We could take the yeah. Imperial Highway. Yeah. Boom, piece Pretty, of cake. Boom, you will hit somebody. <laughs> and no, no. We're, we're actually a combination distillery brewery, so that's pretty unique here, especially in the state of California, where it's illegal to have, federally, it's illegal to have a distillery and a brewery co-located under one roof with no separation. We have a federal uh, variance request letter that actually allows us to do that because some people who know too much about everything come in and say we can't do it because it's illegal and I say yeah I know what we do. So, um, and How yeah, did you so, get that variance? You, you know somebody at the... I just can't take friends, no for friends an answer. Jeff Sessions or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it, it was actually like a funny story. I won't go into the whole thing, but it was like two kindergartners handing our, our application to the federal government when we processed. You could tell by the handwriting when they'd send us back rejections. And uh, it just took a lot of repetitive going back to it. But we got it. It's a really counterintuitive law, if you ask me, because historically speaking, a lot of the first commercial distilleries came up in the back of breweries. Because, of course, if you're a brewer, and before the ages of big, huge refrigerators, as your beer was getting stale, what else are you going to do with it except distill it? The only means you have to preserve your commodity at that point is distillation. So a lot of distilleries were just attached to breweries, and the yeah. idea that nationally we're like no you can't do that it's like are they afraid they're not going to get their money what's the story here yeah there are so many a lot of it is antiquated laws that still exist today unfortunately i mean you could still see it with three tour systems so we're required us as a distillery we're required to actually sell our spirits to a distributor a wholesaler who then sell it to an ultimate retailer or chain restaurant or bar and then to you guys so it's yeah, yeah it's this long middle road vegas process. calling it in yeah, right there right it's crazy. Everybody's got their hand out to take your money, more or less. So um, they made a joke earlier. They're like, "How do you make two million dollars in the liquor business?" So well, you invest four million. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the it's wine a great business, business, business model. Yeah. Huh? It is right. I should have gone into like Uber ride sharing things ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, but R six, what does that stand for? Correct. Back to your question. R six. So R um, stands for the Rubens brothers, which is my last name, and it's my great grandfather and his five brothers, so six guys that built the Rubens Rialto Square Theater back in 1926, so double R, double six, technically. And that's a big, beautiful theater in Chicago, yeah. outside of Chicago. It is, yeah. Same, same architects that designed the Chicago Theater uh, first designed the Rubens Brother Theater, and it was the first air-conditioned theater in Chicago at its time, which was a huge block of dry ice and a big fan then. And it is a marvel <laughs> of architecture and art. It is exquisite piece of... It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful old-school yeah. theater tile work and giant pillars. Yeah, and, relief work and um, yeah, travertine tile and everything. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. My hat's off to those guys, yeah. They had to raise just over a million bucks 93 years ago to build the theater. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> but they weren't doing any kind of brewing or distilling. It's funny, so I, I don't know if the Rubens brothers were, but they had Capone and his guys actually hung out at the Rubens Brother Theater. So Capone, those guys were obviously a Chicago outfit and they were spotted oftentimes hanging out at the Rubens Theater. And growing up, I remember they had a huge vault that was 
probably nine feet tall by about four feet wide. And aside from money, I'm sure they stored other things in there too. So that's pretty cool. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I, I kind of do want to know, but yeah, <laughs> no, I can I just, I just make up stories now. <laughs> the vault's real. Right on. And so, but at that theater, they used to do like cabaret shows and vaudeville and that exactly. kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, it was a big vaudeville theater at the time and they almost uh, leveled it in the eighties, turned it into a parking lot. Wow. And uh, but little, that didn't happen. It didn't. A little lady who was a piano teacher in Joliet, Illinois at the time fought to have the theater saved, and now it's a registered historic landmark, so it, it can never be demolished unless the tornado passes through, I say. Right on. <laughs> right on. No, no tornadoes. No tornadoes. No earthquakes either. So the R6 were the six Rubens brothers. Right. So, so it's um, homage to your own family. Exactly. It That's is. That's really cool. But um, what spurred you to get into brewing and then inspired you to start distilling? Yeah, it's a, I, I never usually tell this part of the story, but when I was, I think I was 19 or so, and I was in school, and I started uh, putting a blueprint together that I bought off the internet for 30 bucks on how to build a bar, and I asked my parents if I could build something in the garage, and they said, sure, no problem. This project that was gonna be my best friend promised two weeks turned into eight months, and I displaced both my parents' cars from the Chicago garage, meaning they were parked in the snow and the ice. And six months into the project, my dad asked my sister, he said, do you see the cabinet your brother's building in the garage? And she came to me and said, he has no idea, does he? So, <laughs> so it started by building a bar when I was far underage by US standards. Um, then I went on a t tour of Old New Orleans Rum Distillery on a visit at my prior job down in New Orleans, and that was kind of the light bulb moment. Wow, they, the name of the distillery in New Orleans was Old Rum Distillery? Or Old, Old New Orleans Rum Distillery. Oh, wow. It's the oldest one down there. Oh, wow, I've and never it, been. That's it withstood Katrina. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it no longer exists. No, it, it, it did. It stood through, yeah. Oh, it, wow. It withstood. Yep. Okay, I didn't understand. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a hodgepodge of different stuff, including European, uh, was it ex perfume making? Thank you, equipment for. I'm not good with perfumes because I don't wear too many or buy too many. But um, it, it's a famous perfume company. Anyhow, they use some of their equipment. It's actually used in the production of the perfume to manufacture their rum there. So, that's bunch really of cool, cool stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. And how long have you guys been producing here in Los Angeles? We've been producing here since 16, and then we, we company opened in 14, and then we started producing in 16. And you started off just doing beer, and then started distilling. Or how did? What were the? the they they of launched almost concurrently, but the okay. brew system was online just a month or so, a couple months before the distilling. And what is the beer that you guys are making down there? So we actually partnered with a brewery uh, just last year, and they're handling most of the beers. So they're known for their barrel-aged stouts, and they're using some of the R6 barrels. So you know it's got to be good. <laughs> What's the name of that beer? Three Chiefs Brewing. Three Chiefs here in LA. And then yeah. you, they're using a, a different mash bill for that beer. You're, you've got your own mash bill for the whiskey that you make, right. yes? Yeah, they're separate. And is that what's in our glass right now? This is what we have? This is the R6 bourbon, yeah. This so is our, our classic. Stephanie just passed around this first little mm -hmm. sample, little tasting portion of the R6 bourbon. So what's the mash bill on this, Rob? This one is going to be a high rye bourbon, so it's 75% yellow corn, 21 rye, and 4 malted barley. And is there anything, anything special about those grains, like where you're sourcing them? Is that kind of unique, or are you guys just buying grain from wherever you can get it, or do you, did you source something out, yeah. like local to California or anything like that? Exactly. Yeah, it's a local California grain. So everything we do, with the exception of a few malts, specialty malts that they don't produce in California, and we don't have our own malt house, we'll source everything we can from California. And most all the raw cereal product comes up in uh, Woodland, California. That's really cool. So some 
yeah. great like California heritage in your glass. How old is this whiskey that we all have? This whiskey is just over two years old. So it is a straight bourbon whiskey. I'd say for, um, for whiskey that most people would coin as young, and I know we're getting away from age statements in general, but it is a really refined whiskey for being a younger whiskey. It is aged in traditional 53-gallon New American oak. So no small barrels? Not on this one, no. Okay, so let's check this out. A little Los Angeles bourbon. Bourbon from El yeah. Segundo. Oh. Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in jelly through your mouth. What were you going to say, Rob? Fun fact, we're LA's first bourbon. So. Ah, yeah. and this could be the first time you've ever had <laughs> true LA bourbon. What are you guys getting? As you know, this Los Angeles bourbon made by R6 Distillery right down the road. Quite floral. Quite floral, yeah. It's, it smells like a bit of a lighter spirit to me. Um, but are you guys using, what's the level of char in your barrels? It's a char three, so medium char. Medium char. Oh, and first use? It like is a for straight yep. bourbon. Exactly, yep. And because of the rye, I get a lot of the same floral notes and almost some citrus notes sometimes from it as well. Uh, kind of a unique thing, a lot of people associate rye with pepper or, or spice or heat, and not necessarily always. It just depends really the combination and the dynamic between the spirit, uh, the grains that go into the mash bill on the Yeah, I'm the getting like a little lime and orange, like yep. lime zest and maybe some orange yep. in there as well. So tap it over your tongue. What else are you guys getting here? Lots of honey. Honey, nice. Licorice. Licorice. You said over here it would taste like cereal too? Uh, no. It smells, <laughs> it smells, it smells like, like birthday cake. Yeah. Like birthday. birthday cake, okay. So that's a, that's a light, sweet. Yeah. That goes into the floral world too. I think like a, a white cake reminds yeah. me of some floral notes as well. I have just a spirit for you. I don't have it with me, but it smells like a confectionery. So yeah. <laughs> Unless you hate birthday cakes. Then never mind. <laughs> well, that's funny. We recently, I'm sorry, um, we did, the Bar Jackalope staff, Stephanie set us up with a tour of R6 uh, distillery the last time we did our monthly training. So we actually got to go down and Rob took us through the whole place and they had some strange bottles. Yeah. And <laughs> anytime you go to a distillery tour, always look for the strange bottles, the ones that don't have real labels. They just have like tape and yeah, Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> That's the good stuff. Because they do do these experiments in house where they take complex beers, beers that are not your average distiller's beer, and then do little batches, and that's what we got to taste that day, were some like stuff made from the stout. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. there was like one made from yeah, a strawberry beer. Was insane. <laughs> <laughs> it was delicious. We did a strawberry wheat beer, which was, it was called the Valentine's Massacre, and I can't say really in honor what happened in Chicago, but uh, homage to what happened in Chicago a long time ago, and it was a strawberry weeded beer, and then we ended up distilling part of that beer to just see for the hell of it what would come out of it. That's a good bourbon. I get like Thank milk you. chocolate on the finish, and it's it's not spiky. A lot of times you get a young whiskey, and it can be kind of like almost granular in texture on the tongue. This is really balanced and smooth. It's light, it's floral. It, I do get that white cake. <laughs> Easy sipper. If I was going to buy a bottle of this locally produced bourbon from my home bar, how much would it run me? Anybody know at the liquor store? Do you know what this About is? About 50 bucks, depending on what liquor store. Some will do 45, some will do 52. And yeah. where are you locally? What liquor stores can you be found in? Costco, Total Wine. Costco? That's, yeah. that's just one of those little tiny mom-pop things. <laughs> <laughs> that, that took a lot of work. We're in three of the local ones in uh, Hawthorne, Torrance, and Culver City. And another remarkable thing uh, about the little distillery tour that you gave us is that you guys have a speakeasy 
at the distillery. Uh, Are we allowed to talk about that, or is that illegal? Is it, is it... Yeah, because we're in a bit of a speakeasy now. I think we can share with these We're folks. not a speakeasy. We have a sign. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, never mind then. <laughs> no, we're, yeah, we're, it's, um... it's cool. We can tell these folks. So at the distillery, you guys have a, a, a room where you put on shows, and you have... You can taste the whiskeys, but there's also like cabaret and things like we that do. going on. We do, yeah. So we've got professional comedy there uh, once a month, where it's like actual people from Laugh Factory and Conan and TBS. Uh, I don't. I just kind of host the space. I'm friends with the two guys who produce it. We do a burlesque show once a month. We do. Thank you. Uh, tap dance show once a month. Now we're starting to get into. We do live music two to three times a week. So it's. It's a fun place. It's going to have a great effect on the whiskey, trust me. <laughs> yes, not the other way around, right? <laughs> no, it's going to be a good thing. So where are you guys uh, housing? Because you don't have a big facility down there. So where's your rack house? We're, uh, we've got some of it there in El Segundo, and then we've got some of it uh, up north as well. Yeah. How far north? Uh, pretty far up north, yeah. You toward... don't want to tell us because we're going to go find it, right? <laughs> so some stuff. of it's up in Woodland, and then some of it's out east. Okay. And I'm blanking on the name of the city again. <laughs> Yeah. It's okay, we'll figure it out. A little more yeah. whiskey you should be able to remember. I will. Uh, <laughs> so what is the second mark that Stephanie just passed around here? This is my favorite whiskey. It, people either love it or they hate it. This is the blue corn bourbon. So it's very unique. Not a lot of distilleries. Actually, I can only think of one or two others that use blue corn. And I can remember the name out of one of the two others. Balcones Yes. the blue corn whiskey. That's, that's the only Maybe one I remember, blue? yeah. It'll come to all of us later. Yeah. There's something stealing all the thoughts. As tonight. soon as we're done, we'll all remember. Well, literally when I leave this room. The the second mark that you're about to sample or already sampled is the blue corn bourbon. This one's age, aged in smaller barrels, so a combination of 10 and 15 barrel, 10 and 15 gallon barrels, same new American oak, char three. This one's a lot more complex. It's got a lot more going on. So I'd say the first one is more of a uh, general public appeal versus this is more of a niche or if you're politically correct, a niche whiskey. And it's got blue corn, rolled oats, uh, your barley, it's got rye in it, and it's got some chocolate malt, among other things. And on the nose, uh, I won't support you. you. want me to talk about the nose, or do you want that? Yeah, kind of... oh, okay, yeah. What do you guys get? So he said there's some kind of off the beaten path in terms of, of grain here. What, what does oat bring to the flavor profile? I wanted to get a bit more of a, a mouthfeel and also mellow out some of the wild grains that were going in there. Okay. And to be quite honest, the, the mash bill on this was a little bit of a kitchen sink with just quirky proportions, and we were going to see what came of it, and we really loved it and stuck with it. Yeah, what um, are the proportions? Two, it's about two-thirds blue corn, and then two-thirds, about 15 to 20% rye, and then the rest is all small percentages between the rolled oats, the barley, um, and then the chocolate malt. Yeah. Cool. So, these are all 86 proof, 43%. So stick your nose in that glass, tap it over your tongue, and how is this different from other bourbons that you've tried? He was saying earlier, what'd you say? Brownies. Well, you mentioned the chocolate notes in it, though. I get waxy. It's kind of a waxy. Mm. At least on the nose. And it reminds me of Old Forester 1897 on the nose, but not, not necessarily, you know, in the mouth as much. So, it kind of smells like mesquite charcoal. Okay, a little mesquite, a little smokiness to it. What are you guys getting back here? Yeah, chocolate's strong at the end. Yeah. That chocolate malt. So, chocolate malt, can you explain what chocolate malt is? Because yeah. not every, there's no chocolate in the malt. What does that mean? So, basically, when, when you're heating up the, the barley to, to kill the, the germination in it, depending on how long you heat it or kill it for, you generate different flavors on it. So, chocolate malt is just a matter of how long they actually heated the barley to... Um, 
to get that flavor out of it that when you then mill it, mash it, ferment it, that you're gonna get these dark chocolate roasty flavors out of it. So this is kind of a combination of a chocolate and a roast like you alluded to. Uh, there is no peated malt in this at all. The next one we're gonna try does have peated malt, but this one doesn't. And the chocolate malt, a very small amount, like this is I think 1% in the total mash bill, gives all the chocolate flavor at the end of the palate. So very, very strong effect yeah. from the chocolate malt. And you're using the oats to kind of tame all that other stuff that's going on there, those strong exactly. flavors. The oats and the blue corn, the blue corn definitely gives funk to it. So on, on the nose, even though this is a, a younger whiskey, uh, we've got some that's aging for a few years now. Um, the blue corn has a lot of rich, sweet, creamy, fatty characteristics to it, which are great, especially as it starts to mature more. Uh, and that gives it kind of a raisin fig chamomile nose that I, I get from it. Yeah, I get the raisin for sure. I'm getting the chamomile too, for yeah. sure. Like the, the chamomile is really strong. Yeah. Is, yeah. is the blue corn also being sourced from here in California? It is, yeah. And how big of a batch are you guys cranking out with this special kind of specialized the, mash bill? For everything we do, we'll do about 2,400 pounds at a time. And then that, depending on the yield and the distiller and how much he's paying attention that day, that should yield about, <laughs> about two and a half traditional barrels. So roughly. two and a half barrels a day. Well, if we were cranking every day on it, yeah. Yeah, but you're not you're not able to like distill every single day. We're not doing it every <laughs> single day. Yeah, we also help out others too that are uh, contract distilling and private label for other companies. Yeah. So if anybody wants to start a distillery without building a distillery, <laughs> we can help you mitigate your risk. Call Rob. Yeah. Well, that's really good. I, I get like some cinnamon in there and some maple as well. The woodiness has got this like fresh wood note to it, not like a charred oak, but like a a sweet, it's, I, I get the wood on it too, yeah. It's, it's like milk chocolatey, but also this oakiness, this just gentle buttery. Buttery, is, buttery is a good word for it. We actually did a vodka that was 100% blue corn, and a lot of people thought it was tequila, because the blue corn has such a strong butter characteristic to it, it's almost like buttered popcorn on the nose, and people who had bad, like, 15-year-old experiences with tequila hated the vodka because they'd be like, oh my God, I'm gonna throw up. <clears throat> but anybody who didn't or appreciate, even those who didn't appreciate vodka loved the blue corn. It actually won awards, but now we do a blend of blue and yellow to kind of mellow out that butter. Is this a more expensive mash bill because the blue corn, because you're using this chocolate malt? Like, there's some, I'm just, Supposing those must be more expensive ingredients. Is that true? It is by far the blue corn is much more expensive by about 50% uh, more than the yellow corn yeah. Okay, wow. What do you guys think of this blue corn? Whiskey here. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the nose and the tongue often they can go in really different directions And that's definitely the case here. Simon, what do you think of this one? It smells good in there. It tastes more of like wet tree trunk, like a lumber yard, like mm -hmm. chocolate Oh, that's good. We just wrote up all of our profiles for our tasting placard maps. I wish I'd waited until I talked to you guys tonight. <laughs> Never too late for a rewrite, right? Next edition. That's true. That's why everybody who works for me hates me. Oh. <laughs> How many times are we going to redraft this thing? <laughs> right on. So Stephanie's going to come around with your next expression here. So what is this one she's got? This is our single malt. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Yeah. So now we're going to a totally different style. We are. So tell us about this varietal of single malt, because you're very choosy about your grains, obviously. You've gone really deep in your yeah. selection of grains. Where are you getting your single malt from? This one's mostly all from Europe, only because we couldn't get a lot of what we wanted here, and because we wanted to do some form of traditional 
Right, because single malt's the American version of a scotch to, to some degree. And or an Irish. Or, or an Irish, yeah. Uh, but we wanted to do something that was a complete twist on that. So this one has a base Irish distiller's malt, so Irish. Uh, it also has a peated malt, and then it has coffee and chocolate malt in it too. <clears throat> and those two are gonna kind of battle it out, but I think they really balance each other. And when we designed the recipe for this, the mash bill for this, I was originally gonna do a coffee and do a chocolate with the other two ingredients, and then I got lazy, said screw it, we put it all together, and it turned out to be something that I really enjoy. So three different kinds of malt in the mash, but you can still call it a single malt because it is all just still malted barley and it's all being distilled at one distillery exactly. in one season. Um, and is there, are there any other weird laws for single malt whiskey in America that differ from the Irish and the Scotch and the Japanese and the Canadians where they make their malt whiskeys? Uh, I mean, for American, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, for Europeans, it's it's very prevalent and now more so in Thank the you. states too that there's a lot of oh okay thank you uh it's been it's been tradition over in europe to blend for so long and scotch kind of is more of a statement around protection of doing that where it all has to be you know basically distilled on site at one distillery and that distillery puts their name on it and that's protection for them but um they have a lot more protections over the, the titling of it too in terms of like restrictions mm -hmm. But in any of your whiskeys, you're not doing any added colorings to anything, no. and no added sugar after distillation, anything like that, right? Correct. Okay, so let's taste this single malt made right here in Los Angeles at the R6 Distillery. Stick your nose in that glass. Tell me what you're experiencing. What are you reminded of as you smell this single malt whiskey from R6? Lay's barbecue chips. Nice. Is that what you had for dinner? <laughs> what else? Matt, what are you getting? Barbecue and potato and like a saltiness too? Is that part of it? A chocolate stout. Chorizo. Really? All right, all right. What's the parts per million on the on the peat? This one is pretty low, uh, okay. to be honest, so, so I'd have to look back. But Do you know where the peat's coming from? That's also from uh, from Ireland. Okay, yeah. so it's Irish peat. Yep. Maybe Connemara kind of vibe or something. Yeah, yeah, because so maybe wherever Cooley's getting their grain. Yeah. Is is that where you're getting your grain? No, I, honestly, we ordered this through BSG. Yeah. Okay, and so, they sourced a, it, so a barley broker. So it's Irish distillers malt, uh, peated malt, coffee, and chocolate. Yeah. So tap this over your tongue because, like, a, in the similar this, by choosing these complex grains, the nose and the tongue can be vastly different from each other. So you tell me what is different here from the nose to the tongue. How does it change for you? So, no nuts. wrong answers. Toasted nuts. Nutty nuts. Yeah, like blanched like almonds. Yeah. Mm, nice. What else? What else? That's beautiful. Strawberries? Chocolate covered strawberries. That sounds good to me. Mocha? Mocha? I get a grassiness too. I get like underneath that. Yeah, I get that like a uh, cacao. Yeah, cacao and then green grass a little bit. Yeah. This one is. When we dump this. This is about 18 months in small barrels. Tastes like espresso. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. delicious. The the really interesting thing about chocolate malt after it's in the distillate is that the longer it sits and matures, the more it expresses itself. So we've done it in a really young whiskey, like as young as six months, and the chocolate's there, 
Um, but then the longer you let it mature, the more it pronounces itself, too. So wow. This would go really well in an Irish coffee. Oh, yes. awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or just breakfast. Everyone needs a good breakfast. That's you never, you, That's like an emergency. I, like have, in my house, there's yeah. a little glass case that you break. It's like <laughs> breakfast whiskeys for severe hangovers only. It's one of those days. Yeah. Yeah. Or there's rough, a beer right next to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really, really beautiful. And then how, okay, what's your output per year right now? Like, what are you able to crank? If you're not producing every day, that's obviously yeah. going to limit the amount that you can sell. So how much are you, what's your output this year going to be? So this year we're probably looking around 2,000 cases of spirit. Wow. Um, but the still is capable up to 60,000 cases a year, so there's a lot of capacity on the still. Yeah. And so how are you planning to scale up then? Is that the plan to scale up? Or? It is, yeah, gradually. Our plan is really to stick around in California with most of our focus, maybe Nevada, Arizona kind of thing, Washington, but really focus on California. I've seen some other suppliers, distilleries go too big too fast and yeah. overextend and then have to pull back, and I want to make locals happy here. The only thing that I would overextend myself for is to put us into Chicago because I've got a special feeling there. Right. <laughs> Being hometown and all. But um, no, the plan is really organic growth. I know the word is overused habitually, but um, really working with some great people here locally to hit the streets and, and spread the word. And with you guys here at Bar Jack Lope and Seven Grand and yeah. really Los Angeles and Southern California is where it's at and then up to the Bay Area. And do you guys provide public tours right now? I mean, you gave a, a cool tour to our staff, but is, is that something that the average whiskey head can come and do? Or We do. I've got a handful of free tour cards I can hand out to the folks tonight. And then also, for anybody who emails me, I can give you a discount on the tour as well. So, And catch a cabaret show. Maybe some live yeah. comedy yeah. while you're down there. And the cabaret shows burlesque. go well for couples, too. We get couples into the cabaret show all the time. Was that creepy? So Did I say that creepily? It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Matt liked it. Matt liked it. <laughs> yeah, tell us about your still. So you guys have a very unique still. We do. So it's manufactured by Kota, and that's in the southwest corner of Germany. So I actually was just in Germany, then realized it was too far of a drive, so I didn't go. <laughs> but they sent me pictures when it was being manufactured, then I get to operate it, so that's... That's fair enough. But <laughs> You're very intimate with this machine. I am. I mean, with the amount of hours I spend with it, I am. <laughs> so the still's name is Jackie, which is which is a great starting point. Jackie named after the Doberman Jacks that hangs out at the distillery all the time. Yes, every distillery needs a distillery dog. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to post a picture of Jackie. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Jackie was with my hand like that. <laughs> But, what, but to answer your what's question, what's unique about this still? It's a hybrid still. That's right. So it means it's got a pot or a kettle, and it has two fractionating columns for vodka. Each column has nine plates, so you can engage or disengage however many of the nine plates you want on each column. And I'm just going to kind of assume like a certain level of knowledge in the room without having to re-explain everything to everybody. But uh, feel free to ask questions afterwards. I'll stick around. But uh, each plate is a micro-level distillation, and so with the whiskey and the rum, we want to maintain a lot of that flavor. With the vodka, those plates are great. So we actually use a few of the plates to distill the whiskey and the rum to strip some of the flavor and impurities out. 
Um, and then for vodka, it's great because we can do a 20-time distilled vodka on a double pass in the still. Yeah, the, the vodka that you had tonight is 100% organic, yellow and blue corn, and it was 20 times distilled. I didn't know we had a vodka punch. Jeez. <laughs> this tastes like cool. Rampant fraud happening everywhere. Yes. What was that? Yes. You guys drank vodka tonight. I apologize. Thank I'm, I'm sorry. Oh. It's like, Thank you. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Are we going? What's going on here? All right. No, I'm kidding. So can you tell us, you, you're producing vodka, you're producing rum. What, what's the name of your vodka? What's the name of your rum? We, we keep it really simple. R6 vodka, R6 uh, rum. Uh, that's very congruent. Yeah. I like that. Okay. We used to do all sorts of different names, then we, yeah, no more. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, so the, the lineup of products is we have two vodkas, one organic, one non-GMO. We have a gin, and the gin constantly evolves. So what you have now, if you come in, versus what you would have had six months ago is totally different. We have about four expressions of rum and about nine different whiskeys. Yeah. The rum, uh, two different types of molasses, the barrels that we aged them in, and then one, my favorite, and somebody, I think you said mole earlier, we're doing our spice drum with mole, and it's awesome. Well, when you batch that up, we'll get you for rooms to set It's been, we've been batching for the last week. The mole is a pain in the butt to filter. <laughs> so it's good, we're, we decided to leave it, and the mole is gonna, you're gonna have a rum that looks like it's got uh, glitter sediment. floating in it. Yeah, sediment. Awesome. it's natural. I mean, so. but that's, that's going to be cool, though, because, like, in like in a lot of Latin American and Caribbean countries, like, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pulp or, like, sediment yes. at the bottom of a lot of drinks. That's not something that we're, that's something that we're okay with. Yeah, me too. And because we only are going to do like 250 bottles of it, we're not even going to bother with Necker's that say shake this rum and don't complain about the yeah. naturalness of it. But um, so we have the spice rum. We do a regular aged version of that same rum. The one that you're about to try, which is, does everybody have this one now? Yes, I think. Does everyone have this? Uh, this is our fourth mark. Yep. So this is actually a rum that was aged in the blue corn bourbon barrel. Whoa, And this funky. is my favorite one. This is cast strength at 100 proof. Wow. So we're getting into some serious rum here, guys. Stick your nose in this glass, breathing gently through your mouth. Share your experience, because he's, st he's still yeah. trying to like rewrite the uh, descriptors here. So <laughs> yeah, we're, gonna, we're gonna help him out. <laughs> Candy corn? All right, that's cool. Werther's candy. Werther's candy. Butterscotch. Try my grandma's purse. Yes. All the leftover Halloween candy. I'm getting a distinct phenolic. For me, there's a rubberiness to this rum, which is typical of, of a lot of really. Are you, you're, you're taking this from blackstrap molasses, or what's the source? Cane juice? Where are you making molasses? This Out one's our golden bee molasses. Yeah. So, what grade is that in the whole? Uh, it's, not, it's definitely higher than uh, Blackstrap. It's, 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 at, it's at the it's top lighter, of that. Lighter, yeah, lighter. Similar to Aguamiel, then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The Golden Bee. Yeah. Golden Bee. So, tap some of this rum, cast strength R6 rum over your tongue. What do you guys get? Plum. Plum. Beautiful. What else? What else? I'm smelling a little jamminess on the, on the nose, too. I got this like rubber and like uh, maybe grape jelly. Fig? That's good, that's good. Figs, right? Everybody's really happy. They love it when you bust out the hunter proof stuff. <laughs> and we'll cap it with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But only little tiny bottles? Is that the deal here? That's the deal. So only little yeah. Those are flats. Yeah, they're 50 bucks a bottle. Yeah, yeah. We Stephanie, you have skills. I don't know how you just poured the whole room. Oh, from man. this little flask here. 
That's really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and what what is this little mule here? What's going on with that? This guy here? Yeah, yeah. what's that? So this is the 20 time distilled vodka, and then we made our own concoction of a mule. So we call it the West Coast Mule because it's our California expression of a mule. Uh, I don't know if you know the history of the guys who came up with a mule and the copper mug and basically a bunch of extra copper, a bunch of extra vodka. Why don't we put the two together and force it on people? <laughs> what better way to make it? understanding the mule is, is from prospectors. Prospectors, they would use uh, copper cups to help with the microbes. It has something to do with drinking out of a copper mug to help with this, the water that they were drinking in the mountain streams. The mule were food to sulfates in the water so the copper helped with the water it was, was my understanding and then the mule refers to the mule that the prospectors used they'd also put ginger in there because a lot of the chinese miners knew the benefits of ginger in as a, a digestive yep uh yeah i think the copper thing at least i, I agree with the, the wives tale or the history part of it i think that there's some debatable science to like well, why people even use copper for their stills and a lot of people are going to tell you because of the basically the the adhesion of impurities and conjures as it goes through the distillation process other people are going to tell you because copper was cheaper than stainless back in the day so i'd be curious but yeah maybe the same thing with the stream and the copper that's well i think enough people have been doing it that they would notice the difference in in flavor and if if it didn't make a difference then everyone would be using stainless but there's a there's a huge brand new fancy distillery in Chicago that just opened and they're 100% stainless. Except they're probably running it through a big huge Brillo pad made of copper. <laughs> <laughs> they might be. I, I haven't looked inside of it. Or I'm, that's <laughs> the rum. It's only at the distillery. Yeah. Yeah. This one we did 100 bottles of. So. Well, thanks for bringing that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Right on, beautiful stuff. So you guys, R6, there's the bourbon, two different kinds of bourbon. Uh, the single, the blue corn. oh yeah, the blue corn bourbon, the standard expression, the single malt and the rum. There's also vodka be tried, there gin is. and rum, uh, more yeah. crazy expressions. There's, and we're always coming across new bottles with uh, masking tape and marker on them. So stuff keeps evolving to get, you know, as our, as our palates adapt to what's maturing in the cast, and as we continue to experiment with red, white, and blue corn, there's purple corn, there's white corn, obviously yellow corn, all the different things, you know, it keeps changing. That's really cool. So get a tour card from him before you guys leave tonight. Go down and check out the distillery, maybe catch a little cabaret show, yeah. and, and ask for those bottles with the tape and the Sharpie. Try out some of the experiments they're doing with some of these different beers. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have uh, our last ever beer that we produced under our previous brand before we basically uh, partnered with the brewery that's currently there now. We took that and aged in one of our bourbon barrels, and we have a little bit of that left, too. So if you ask for the Don't Bogart That Barrel Stout, or just ask for the Reuben Stout, and we might have a few bottles tucked away. We bought a bunch of six packs of this mule <laughs> yeah. too we on the way home. <laughs> As we do. They were kind enough to bring no, them with them. Really good, though. They're super good. So there's like two servings in them. If you just like yeah. split it with some ice, a little bit of lime juice, it's perfect. So RTD, ready to drink. It's all yeah. in there. Where can you find these mules in a can? Right now, they're only at the distillery. Okay. Yeah. 
They're, they're four packs, so you don't think oh, you're getting ripped off when you come and you're like, wait, there were six and now there are four. No. <laughs> but there's two drinks in each can, yeah. so you, you so share it's, it's with the friends. eight drinks, basically in a four pack. Well, thank you, Rob Rubens, for coming out and telling us about this local distillery. R6 is making some really innovative products. It's, Always great to have the locals in, and we want to help support these small yeah. craft stores that are just coming up. Congrats on all yeah, of this. Yeah, Pedro, stuff. thank you everybody for having me. I appreciate it. Right on. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. 